Chapter 11 of English Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Frances. English Fairy Tales by Ernest Rees. The Green Knight. Part 1. When Arthur was king of Britain, and so reigned, it befell one wintertide he held at Camelot his Christmas feast, with all the knights of the round table, full fifteen days. All was joy then in hall and chamber, and when the new year came it was kept with great joy. Rich gifts were given, and many lords and ladies took their seats at the table, where Queen Guinevere sat at the king's side, and a lady fairer of form might no one say he had ever before seen. But King Arthur would not eat, nor would he long sit, until he should have witnessed some wondrous adventure. The first course was served with the blowing of trumpets, and before each two guests were set twelve dishes, and bright wine, for there was no want of anything. Scarcely had the first course commenced, when there rushed in at the hall door a knight, the tallest on earth he must have been. His back and breast were broad, but his waist was small. He was clothed entirely in green, and his spurs were of bright gold. His saddle was embroidered with birds and flies, and the steed that he rode upon was green. Gaily was the knight attired. His great beard, like a green bush, hung on his breast. His horse's mane was decked with golden threads, and its tail bound with a green band. Such a horse and such a knight were never before seen. It seemed that no man might endure the green knight's blows, but he carried neither spear nor shield. In one hand he held a holly-bow, and in the other an axe, the edge of which was as keen as a sharp razor, and the handle was encased in iron, curiously graven with green. Thus arrayed, the green knight entered the hall, without saluting any one, and asked for the governor of the company, and looked about him for the most renowned of them. Much they marvelled to see a man and a horse as green as grass. Never before had they seen such a sight as this. They were afraid to answer, and were as silent as if sleep had taken hold of them, some from fear, others from courtesy. King Arthur, who was never afraid, saluted the Green Knight, and bade him welcome. The Green Knight said that he would not tarry. He was seeking the most valiant, that he might prove him. He came in peace, but he had a halberd at home, and a helmet too. King Arthur assured him that he should not fail to find an opponent worthy of him. I seek no fight, said the knight. Here are only beardless children. Here is no man to match me. Still, if any be bold enough to strike a stroke for another, this axe shall be his, but I shall give him a stroke in return within a twelve-month and a day. Fear kept all silent, while the knight rolled his red eyes about and bent his grisly green brows. Waving his beard a while, he exclaimed, What, then? Is this Arthur's court? Forsooth, the renown of the round table is overturned with the word of one man's speech. Arthur grew red for shame, and waxed as wroth as the wind. He assured the knight that no one was afraid of his great words, and seized the axe. The green knight, stroking his beard, awaited the blow, and with a dry countenance drew down his green coat. But thereupon Sir Gawain begged the king to let him undertake the blow. He asked permission to leave the table, 
saying it was not meet that arthur should take the game while so many bold knights sat upon bench although the weakest he was quite ready to meet the green knight the other knights too begged arthur to give gawain the game then the king gave gawain who was his nephew his weapon and told him to keep heart and hand steady the green knight inquired the name of his opponent and sir gawain told him his name declaring that he was willing to give and receive a blow it pleases me well sir gawain says the green knight that i shall receive a blow from thy fist but thou must swear that thou wilt seek me to receive the blow in return where shall i seek thee says sir gawain tell me thy name and thy abode and i will find thee when thou hast smitten me says the green knight then tell i thee of my home and name if i speak not at all so much the better for thee take now thy grim weapon and let us see how thou strikest gladly sir forsooth quoth sir gawain and now the green knight puts his long green locks aside and lays bare his neck and sir gawain strikes hard with the axe and at one blow severs the head from the body the head falls to the earth and many treat it roughly but the green knight never falters he starts up seizes his head steps into the saddle holding the while the head in his hand by the hair and turns his horse about then lo the head lifts up its eyelids and addresses sir gawain look thou be ready to go as thou hast promised and seek till thou findest me get thee to the green chapel there to receive a blow on new year's morn fail thou never come or recreant be called so saying the green knight rides out of the hall his head in his hand and now arthur addresses the queen dear dame be not dismayed such marvels well become the christmas festival i may now go to meet sir gawain hang up thine axe the king and his knights sit feasting at the board with all manner of meat and minstrelsy till day is ended but beware sir gawain said the king at its end lest thou fail to seek the adventure which thou hast taken in hand part two like other years the months and seasons of this year pass away full quickly and never return after christmas comes lent and spring sets in and warm showers descend then the groves become green and birds build and sing for joy of the summer that follows blossoms begin to bloom and noble notes are heard in the woods with the soft winds of summer more beautiful grow the flowers wet with dewdrops but then harvest approaches and drives the dust about and the leaves drop off the trees the grass becomes gray and all ripens and rots at last when the winter winds come round again sir gawain thinks of his dread journey and his vow to the green knight on all hallows day arthur makes a feast for his nephew's sake after meat sir gawain thus speaks to his uncle now liege lord i ask leave of you for i am bound on the morrow to seek the green knight many noble knights the best of the court counsel and comfort him and much sorrow prevails in the hall but gawain declares that he has nothing to fear on the morn he asks for his arms a carpet is spread on the floor and he steps thereon he is dubbed in a doublet of tarsic silk and a well-made hood 
they set steel shoes on his feet lap his legs in steel greaves put on the steel habergeon the well-burnished braces elbow pieces and gloves of plate while over all is placed the coat armor his spurs are then fixed and his sword is attached to his side by a silken girdle thus attired the knight hears mass and afterwards takes leave of arthur and his court by that time his horse grinolet was ready the harness of which glittered like the gleam of the sun then sir gawain sets his helmet upon his head and the circle round it was decked with diamonds and they give him his shield with the pentacle of pure gold devised by king solomon as a token of truth for it is called the endless knot and well becomes the good sir gawain a knight the truest of speech and the fairest of form he was found faultless in his five wits the image of the virgin was depicted upon his shield in courtesy he was never found wanting and therefore was the endless knot fastened on his shield and now sir gawain seizes his lance and bids all good day he spurs his horse and goes on his way all that saw him go mourned in their hearts and declared that his equal was not to be found upon earth it would have been better for him to have been a leader of men than to die by the hands of an elvish man meanwhile many a weary mile goes sir gawain now rides the knight through the realms of england he has no companion but his horse and no men does he see till he approaches north wales from hollyhead he passes into wirral where he finds but few that love god or man he inquires after the green knight of the green chapel but can gain no tidings of him his cheer oft changed before he found the chapel many a cliff he climbed over many a ford and stream he crossed and everywhere he found a foe it were too tedious to tell the tenth part of his adventures with serpents wolves and wild men with bulls bears and boars had he not been both brave and good doubtless he had been dead the sharp winter was far worse than any war that ever troubled him thus in peril he travels till christmas eve and on the morn he finds himself in a deep forest where were old oaks many a hundred and many sad birds upon bare twigs piped piteously for the cold through rough ways and deep mire he goes that he may celebrate the birth of christ and blessing himself he says cross of christ speed me scarcely had he blessed himself thrice than he saw a dwelling in the wood set on a hill the comeliest castle that knight ever owned which shone as the sun through the bright oaks forthwith sir gawain goes to the chief gate and finds the drawbridge raised and the gates fast shut as he abides there on the bank he observes the high walls of hard-hewn stone with battlements and towers and chalk-white chimneys and bright and great were its round towers with their well-made capitals oh thinks he if only he might come within the cloister anon he calls and soon there comes a porter to know the knight's errand good sir says gawain ask the high lord of this house to grant me a lodging you are welcome to dwell here as long as you like replied the porter thereupon is the drawbridge let down and the gate opened wide to receive him and he enters and his horse is well stabled and knights and squires bring gawain into the hall many a one hastens to take his helmet and sword 
the lord of the castle bids him welcome and they embrace each other gawain looks on his host a big bold one he seemed beaver-hued was his broad beard and his face as fell as the fire the lord then leads gawain to a chamber and assigns a page to wait upon him in this bright bower was noble bedding the curtains were of pure silk with golden hems and tarsic tapestries covered the walls and floor here the knight doffed his armour and put on rich robes which well became him and in troth a more comely knight than sir gawain was never seen then a chair was placed by the fireplace for him and a mantle of fine linen richly embroidered thrown over him a table too was brought in and the knight having washed was invited to sit to meat he was served with numerous dishes with fish baked and broiled or boiled and seasoned with spices full noble feast and much mirth did he make as he ate and drank then sir gawain in answer to his host told him he was of arthur's court and when this was made known great was the joy in the hall each one said softly to his mate now we shall see courteous manners and hear noble speech for we have amongst us the father of all nurture after dinner the company go to the chapel to hear the even-song of the great season the lord of the castle and sir gawain sit together during the service when his wife accompanied by her maids left her seat after the service she appeared even fairer than guinevere an older dame led her by the hand and very unlike they were for if the young one was fair the other was yellow and had rough and wrinkled cheeks the younger had a throat fairer than snow the elder had black brows and bleared lips with permission of the lord sir gawain salutes the elder and the younger courteously kisses and begs to be her servant to the great hall then they go where spices and wine are served the lord takes off his hood and places it on a spear he who makes most mirth that christmas tide is to win it on christmas morn joy reigns in every dwelling in the world so did it in the castle where sir gawain now abode the lord and the old ancient wife sit together and sir gawain sits by the wife of his host it were too tedious to tell of the meat the mirth and the joy that abounded everywhere trumpets and horns give forth their merry notes and great was the joy for three days st john's day was the last day of the christmas festival and on the morrow many of the guests took their departure from the castle its lord thanked sir gawain for the honour and pleasure of his visit and endeavoured to keep him at his court he desired also to know what had driven sir gawain from arthur's court before the end of the christmas holidays sir gawain replied that a high errand and a hasty one had forced him to leave the court then he asked his host whether he had ever heard of the green chapel for there he had to be on new year's day and he would as lief die as fail in his errand the prince tells sir gawain he will teach him the way and that the green chapel is not more than two miles from the castle then was gawain glad and he consented to tarry a while at the castle and its lord and castellan rejoiced too and sent to ask the ladies to come and entertain their guest and he asked sir gawain to grant him one request that he would keep his chamber on the morrow's morn as he must be tired after his far travel 
meanwhile his host and the other men of the castle were to rise very early and go a-hunting whatsoever said his host i win in the wood shall be yours and whatever hap be yours at home i will as freely count as mine and he gave sir gawain in token a ring which he was not to yield no not though it was thrice required of him by the fairest lady under heaven to all this sir gawain gladly agreed and so with much cheer a bargain was made between them and as night drew on each went early to his bed part three next morn full early before the day all the folk of the castle uprise and saddle their horses and trust their saddle-bags the noble lord of the castle too arrays himself for riding eats a sop hastily and goes to mass before daylight he and his men are on their horses then the hounds are called out and coupled three short notes are blown by the bugles and a hundred hunters join in the chase to their stations the deer-stalkers go and the hounds are cast off and joyously the chase begins roused by the clamour the deer rush to the heights but are soon driven back the harts and bucks are allowed to pass but the hens and does are driven back to the shade as they fly they are shot by the bowmen the hounds and the hunters with a loud cry follow in pursuit and those that escape the arrows are killed by the hounds the lord waxes joyful in the chase which lasted till the approach of night all this time sir gawain lay abed and woke only to hear afar the baying of the hounds and so to doze again but at length there befell a knock at his door and a damsel entered to bid him rise and come to meet with her mistress straightway he arose attired himself put on his finger the fair ring that his host had given him and descended to greet the lady of the castle good morrow fair sir says she you are a late sleeper i see she tells him with a laughing glance that she doubts if he really be sir gawain that all the world worships for he cares better to sleep than to hunt with the knights in the wood or talk with the ladies in their bower in good faith quoth sir gawain save this ring on my finger there is not i would not yield thee in token of my service and thy courtesy the lady told him that if true courtesy were enclosed in himself he would keep back nothing no not so much as a ring but sir gawain bethought him of his word to the lord of the castle of his promise also to the green knight he may not he says yield up his ring but he will be for ever her true servant we leave now the lady and sir gawain and turn to tell how the lord of the land and his men end their hunt in wood and heath of the killed a quarry they make and set about breaking the deer and taking away the assay or fat and rend off the hide when all is ready they feed the hounds and then they make for home anon sir gawain hearing them approach the castle goes out to meet his host then the lord commands all his household to assemble and the venison to be brought before him he calls gawain and asks him whether he does not deserve much praise for his success in the chase when the knight has said that fairer venison he has not seen in winter nay not this seven year his host doth bid him take the whole according to the agreement between them made last night 
Gawain gives the knight a comely kiss in return, and his host desires to know if he too has gotten much weal at home. Nay, says Sir Gawain, ask me no more of that. Thereupon the lord of the castle laughed, and they went to supper where were dainties new, enough and to spare. Anon they are sitting by the hearth, while wine is carried round, and again Sir Gawain and his host renew their compact as before, and so they take leave of each other and hasten to bed. Scarce had the cock cackled thrice on the morrow, when the lord was up and again with his hunters and horns out and abroad, pursuing the chase. The hunters cheer on the hounds, which fall to the scent forty at once. All come together by the side of a cliff, and look about on all sides, beating the bushes. Out there rushes a fierce wild boar, who fells three to the ground with the first thrust. Full quickly the hunters pursue him. However, he attacks the hounds, causing them to yowl and yell. The bowmen send their arrows after this wild beast, but they glide off, shivered in pieces. Enraged with the blows, he attacks the hunters. Then the lord of the land blows his bugle and pursues the boar. All this time Sir Gawain lies abed, as on the previous day, according to his promise. And again, when he is summoned out of his late slumbers, the lady of the castle twits him with his lack of courtesy. "'Sir,' said she, "'if ye indeed be Sir Gawain, methinkest you would not have forgotten that which yesterday I taught.' "'What is that?' quoth he. "'That I taught you of giving,' says she. "'Yet you give not the ring as courtesy requires.' "'Poor is the gift,' he says, "'that is not given of free will.' But then the lady takes a ring from her own finger, and bids him to keep it. "'And I would hear from you,' she says, "'some stories of beautiful dames, and of feats of arms, and the deeds that become true knights.' Sir Gawain says he has no slight in the telling of such tales, and he may not take the ring she would give him, but he would forever be her servant. Meanwhile, the lord pursued the wild boar that bit the backs of his hounds asunder and caused the stoutest of his hunters to start back. At last the beast was too exhausted to run any more and entered a hole in a rock by the side of a brook, the froth foaming at his mouth. None durst approach him, so many had he torn with his tusks. The knight, seeing the boar at bay, alights from his horse and seeks to attack him with his sword. The boar rushes out upon the man, who, aiming well, wounds him in the side, and the beast is killed by the hounds. Then was there blowing of horns and baying of hounds. One, wise in woodcraft, begins to unlace the boar and hews off the head. Then he feeds his hounds, and the two halves of the carcass are next bound together and hung upon a pole. The boar's head is now borne before the lord of the castle, who hastens home. Gawain is called upon, when the hunt returns, to receive the spoil, and the lord of the land is well pleased when he sees him, and shows him the wild boar, and tells him of its length and breadth. Such a brawn of a beast, Sir Gawain says, he never has seen. To Gawain, then, the wild boar is given, according to the covenant and in return he kisses his host, who declares his guest to be the best he knows. Tables are raised aloft, cloths laid upon them, and waxen torches are lighted, 
with much mirth and glee supper is served in the hall when they had long played in the hall they went to the upper chamber where they drank and discoursed sir gawain at length begs leave of his host to depart on the morrow but his host swears to him that he must stay and come to the green chapel on new year's morn long before prime so gawain consents to remain for another night and full still and softly he sleeps throughout it early in the morning the lord of the castle is up after mass a morsel he takes with his men to break his fast then were they all mounted on their horses before the hall gates and ready for the hunt it was a clear frosty morning when they rode off and the hunters dispersed by a woodside came upon the track of a fox which was followed up by the hounds and now they get sight of the game and pursue him through many a rough grove the fox at last leaps over a spinney and by a rugged path seeks to get clear from the hounds he comes upon one of the hunting stations where he is attacked by the dogs however he slips them and makes again for the woods then was it fine sport to listen to the hounds and the hallooing of the hunters there the fox was threatened and called a thief but reynard was wily and led them far astray over brake and spinney meanwhile sir gawain left at home soundly sleeps within his comely curtains at length the lady of the castle clothed in a rich mantle comes to his chamber opens a window and reproaches him ah man how canst thou sleep this morning is so clear sir gawain was dreaming of his forthcoming adventure at the green chapel when she aroused him but he started up and greeted his fair visitor again as she had done before she desired some gift by which to remember him when he was gone now sir she entreats him now before thy departing do me this courtesy sir gawain tells her that she is worthy of a far better gift than he can bestow he has no men laden with trunks containing precious things thereupon again the lady of the castle offers him a gold ring but he refuses to accept it as he has none that he is free to give in return very sorrowful was she on account of his refusal she takes off her green girdle and beseeches him to take it gawain again refuses to accept anything but promises ever in hot and in cold to be her true servant do you refuse it says the lady because it is simple whoso knew the virtues that it possesses would highly prize it for he who is girded with this green girdle cannot be wounded or slain thereupon sir gawain thinks of his adventure at the green chapel and when she again earnestly presses him to take the girdle he consents not only to take it but to keep the possession of it a secret then she takes her leave gawain hides the girdle and then hies to the chapel and asks pardon for any misdeeds he has ever done when he returns to the hall he makes himself so merry among the ladies with comely songs and carols that they said this knight was so merry never before since hither he came to the castle meanwhile the lord of the castle was still in the field he had already slain the fox he had spied reynard coming through a rough grove and tried to strike him with his sword but the fox was seized by one of the hounds the rest of the hunters hastened thither with horns full many for it was the merriest meat that ever was heard 
and carrying the fox's skin and brush they all ride home the lord at last alights at his dear home where he finds sir gawain amusing the ladies the knight comes forward and welcomes his host and according to covenant kisses him thrice my faith says the other ye have had much bliss i have hunted all day and have got nothing but the skin of this foul fox a poor reward for three such kisses he then tells him how the fox was slain and with much mirth and minstrelsy they made merry until the time came for them to part gawain takes leave of his host and thanks him for his happy sojourn he asks for a man to teach him the way to the green chapel a servant is assigned him and then he takes leave of the ladies kissing them sorrowfully they commend him to christ he then departs thanking each one he meets for his service and solace he retires to rest but sleeps little for much has he to think of on the morrow let him lie there and be still a while and i will tell what next befell him part four now new year's day has drawn nigh and the weather is stormy snow falls and the dale is full of deep drift gawain in his bed hears each cock that crows he calls for the chamberlain and bids him bring his armor men knock off the rust from his rich habergeon and the knight then calls for his steed while he clothed himself in his rich garments he forgot not the girdle the lady's gift but with it doubly girded his loins he wore it not for its rich ornaments but to save himself when it behoved him to suffer all the people of the castle he thanked full oft and then was his steed grinolette arrayed full ready to prick on sir gawain returns thanks for the honour and kindness shown to him by all and then he steps into the saddle from the mounting stone and says this castle to christ i commend may he give it ever good chance therewith the castle gates are opened and the knight rides forth and goes on his way accompanied by his guide they ride by rocky ways and cliffs where each hill wore a hat of cloud and a mist cloak and when it is full daylight they find themselves on a hill full high then his guide bade sir gawain abide saying i have brought you hither and ye are not now far from the appointed place full perilous is it esteemed its lord is fierce and stern his body is bigger than the best four in king arthur's house none passes by the green chapel that he does not ding to death with dint of his hand for be it churl or chaplain monk mass priest or any man else he kills them all he has lived there long and against his sore dints ye may not defend you wherefore good sir gawain let this man alone and go by some other region and i swear faithfully that i will never say that ever ye attempted to flee from any man gawain replies that to shun this danger would mark him as a coward knight to the chapel therefore he will go though the lord thereof were the cruelest and strongest of men full well says he can god devise how to save his true servants mary quoth the other since it pleases thee to lose thy life take thy helmet on thy head and thy spear in thy hand and ride down this path by yon rock side till thou come to the bottom of the valley look a little to the left 
and thou shalt see the chapel itself and the man that guards it having thus spoken the guide takes leave of the knight by god's grace says sir gawain i will neither weep nor groan to god's will i am full ready to bow so on he rides through the dale and eagerly looks about him he sees however no sign of a resting place but only high and steep banks no chapel can he discern anywhere at last he sees a hill by the side of a stream thither he goes alights and fastens his horse to the branch of a tree he walks round the hill looking for the chapel debating with himself what it might be and at last he comes upon an old cave in the crag truly he reflects a wild place is here a fitting place for the green knight to make his devotions in evil fashion if this be the chapel it is the most cursed kirk that ever i saw but with that he hears a loud noise from beyond the brook it clattered like the grinding of a scythe on a grindstone and whirred like a mill-stream though my life i forego says gawain no noise shall terrify me and he cried aloud who dwells here and will hold discourse with me then he heard a loud voice commanding him to abide where he stood and soon there came out of a hole with a fell weapon a danish axe quite new the green knight clothed just as gawain saw him long before when he reached the stream he leapt over it and striding on he met sir gawain without the least obeisance god preserve thee he says as a true knight thou hast timed thy travel thou knowest the covenant between us that on new year's day i should return thy blow here we are alone have off thy helmet and take thy pay at once by my faith quoth sir gawain i shall not begrudge thee thy will then he shows his bare neck and appears undaunted the green knight seizes his grim weapon and with all his force raises it aloft as it came gliding down sir gawain shrank a little with his shoulders then the other reproved him saying thou art not that gawain that is so good esteemed for thou fleest for fear before thou feelest harm i never flinched when thou struckest my head flew to my foot yet i never fled wherefore i ought to be called the better man i flinched once says gawain but will no more bring me to the point deal me my death-blow at once have at thee then says the other and with that prepares to aim the fatal blow gawain never flinches but stands as still as a stone now says the green knight i must strike thee since thy heart is whole strike on says the other then the green knight makes ready to strike and lets fall his axe on the bare neck of sir gawain the sharp weapon pierced the flesh so that the blood flowed when gawain saw the blood on the snow he unsheathed his sword and thus he spake cease man of thy blow if thou givest me any more blow for blow shall i requite thee we agreed only upon one stroke the green knight rested on his axe looked at sir gawain who appeared bold and fearless and addressed him as follows bold knight be not so wroth i promised thee a stroke and thou hast it be satisfied i could have dealt worse with thee 
I menaced thee first with one blow for the covenant between us on the first night. Another I aimed at thee because of the second night. A true man should restore fully, and then he need fear no harm. Thou failed at the third time, and therefore take thee that stroke, for my girdle, woven by my wife, thou wearest. I know thy secret, and my wife's gift to thee, for I sent her to try thee, and faultless I found thee. But yet thou sinnest a little, since thou tookest the girdle to save thy skin, and for love of thy life. Sir Gawain stands there confounded before the green knight. Cursed, he says, be cowardice and covetousness both. Then he takes off the girdle, and throws it to the green knight, and confesses himself to have been guilty of untruth. Then the other, laughing, thus spoke, Thou art confessed so clean that I hold thee as free as if thou hadst never been guilty. I give thee, Sir Gawain, the gold-hemmed girdle as a token of thy adventure at the green chapel. Come again to my castle, and abide there for the remainder of the New Year's festival. Nay, forsooth, says Gawain, I have sojourned sadly, but bliss betide thee. Commend me to your comely wife, who beguiled me. But though I be now beguiled, methinks I should be excused. God reward you for your girdle. I will wear it in remembrance of my fault, and when pride shall prick me, one look upon this green band shall abate it. But tell me your right name, and I shall have done. The green knight replies, I am called Burnlack de Houtdesert, through the might of Morgan le Fay, the pupil of Merlin. She can tame even the haughtiest. It was she who caused me to test the renown of the round table, hoping to grieve Queen Guinevere and cause her death through fear. Morgan le Fay is even thine aunt. Therefore come to her, and make merry in my house. But Sir Gawain refused to return with the Green Knight. He bade him a courteous farewell, and then he turned Grinolette's head again toward Arthur's hall. By wild ways and lonely places did he ride. Sometimes he harbored in a house by night, and sometimes he had to shift under the trees. The wound in his neck became whole, but he still carried about him the belt in token of his fault. Thus Sir Gawain comes again at last to the court of King Arthur, and great was the joy of them all to see him. The king and his knights ask him concerning his journey, and Gawain tells them of his adventures, and of the green knight's castle and the lady, and lastly of the girdle that he wore. He showed them the cut in his neck, and as he groaned for grief and shame, the blood rushed to his face. Lo, says he, handling the green girdle, this is the band of blame, a token of my cowardice and covetousness. I must needs wear it as long as I live. The king comforts the knight, and all the court too. Each knight of the brotherhood agrees to wear a bright green belt for Gawain's sake, who evermore honored it. End of chapter 11